Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It truly is such a gift to be here every week sharing with you new tips, tricks, and ideas to support our English language learners. The work you're doing is absolutely making a difference. So keep going and let me know how else I can help in this process. We're going to start off with a review from Katie Smill. She said, incredibly empowering. Beth shares insights from the trenches and allows teachers to feel seen and empowered in this important work of teaching ELs. Her practical approach and abundance of resources has been a true gift in year of getting an influx of newcomers in combination with long-term ELs that really need help after remote learning during the pandemic. This is an invaluable podcast for any teachers of ELLs. Thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to write that wonderful review. And like I mentioned last week, If your review gets read here on the podcast, you get a month free of the Equipping ELLs membership. So reach out, Katie, if you're listening, and we'll get you set up with that free month because we want to continue to provide you with the support and tools that you need so that you can help your influx of newcomers. I know you're not alone in that and supporting those long-term ELs. We are actually going to be talking today about really how to help support those long-term ELLs. We're still in our small step series. This series is going to go all the way to summer because there are so many different small steps we can take. And that's what I hope you're coming away with is seeing those small steps make a big difference. And hopefully from January, when we started this, if you've implemented any of those small steps, hopefully you're seeing, wow, that actually made a big difference. I'm slowly getting more confident in this or wow, 
look at, I have a few different strategies and tools that I can pull out easily. And this isn't feeling as stressful as it did in January. Hopefully that's happening. And we're going to continue talking about the small steps that we can take because it is doable and we want to break it down so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. So today we're going to be talking about five ways to help your ELLs continue to move forward. So like in that review that I read from Katie, a word you might hear frequently is long-term ELLs. And unfortunately, a lot of our students kind of get in the program and stay in the program because they become these long-term ELLs who are stagnant or, you know, not advancing. And I think there's some things that we can do that can help them move forward on their language journey and to not become stagnant in it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. This podcast episode comes from a reflection of myself (laughs) because I would honestly say I'm a long-term Spanish language learner. Just in the recent days, I've been reflecting because if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I live in Panama City, Panama, and really everything outside of you know, my house and family is mostly Spanish speaking. We have some friends that are English speaking too, but in life, in the day-to-day at the grocery store, at the doctor, all of those situations are Spanish speaking. And so I've lived here for 10 years. And before this, I had 10 years of Spanish classes. I went all up to Spanish four. Then I went out to college, got my minor in Spanish. I have my bilingual certificate. So As I was reflecting on now 20 years of Spanish, both living in a Spanish-speaking environment and having the classes and the degree, I just was kind of contemplating, why is my Spanish not better? Is it okay? Yes. But am I fluent? No. I really can speak in the present tense and that's about it. So just really reflecting on that. Why? What is it that has prevented me from moving forward, because I think that I am very much like those long-term ELLs that we're working with and trying to figure out how can we help push the student forward? Well, I think that's me. So this episode's coming from (laughs) that place of it being real. Let's dive in. Number one to helping your ELLs continue to move forward is to make it a safe space. And I know we talk about this all the time on here and you might be thinking, Beth, I know you share that all the time, but it really is a crucial place to begin. We have to create an environment where it's safe. If I'm at the grocery store and the the cashier is looking at me like, you should know this and gives me a look like you're an idiot. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) I am not admitting that I don't know and I just will walk away. So we don't want to do that to our students. We don't want to have body language that looks like we're frustrated with them because they're not picking up the language fast enough or the words that we're saying or the environment that we're creating, you know, things like only English, only English. When I hear that, that's creating a space that our students are not feeling safe in. So this really is a critical place to begin creating a space where they are willing to take risks. They are willing to overcome the fear and anxiety that comes with learning a language because they know it's safe. They know that even if they say something silly, they're not going to be laughed at. They know that you are for them, that you are patient with them, that you see them as the person and the beautiful culture that they bring into your classroom. This is so crucial that we begin with this because that has been a part of my experience of why I did not grow. A lot of it is my own fault, but the environment does make a big 
impact. When I am with somebody who I know is going to help me and wants to help me and will correct me in a nice way, I am constantly asking them to correct me. But if I am with somebody who I know if I ask for correction, they're going to have a a remark about how I should already know this or I should be further along and they're not going to be helpful. Well, guess what? I'm not going to ask for correction. So number one, keep working at creating a safe space. This is not a one-time thing that we do at the beginning of the year. This is a constant area that we need to be checking in on. Do my students feel safe? Do they feel heard? Do they feel welcomed? Do they feel loved? Continue to monitor that. Continue to work on that because environments change throughout the year. You might have set that up at the beginning of the year, but if you haven't come back to that, then maybe you need to quickly just kind of take a pulse on that and see are your students feeling safe in your classroom? Is there something they could suggest or share to really help create that environment where they are ready to soar? So that's number one. Number two, make it fun. Think of your classes right now. Think of your students. When you bring in a game, how many of them still are really shy and nervous and don't want to speak? Maybe you have a few still. But the majority, all of a sudden, when they're so excited about playing, when they're playing headband or they're playing bingo or you're just having fun with learning, you're you're bringing in music and movement, they forget about those fears that they have. They forget about, oh, I don't know how to say this. They're just wanting to engage because they're excited. Helping them move forward, we need to make it fun. There are things that, yes, they have to do. They have to be able to, you know, sit down. They have to work on reading. They have to work on things that can be really hard that are really tiring for them because they're operating on multiple different cylinders to apply the language to the content. But anytime that we can add in that piece where it's bringing engagement up, it's bringing excitement about learning the language up, do it. Monitor again, have a pulse on where your students are at. If you see that they are just really struggling with engagement, bring in a new game, bring in a fun Friday activity, bring in a brain break more often. We have to get them engaged to want to be able to learn the language. Because at the end of the day, if a student does not want to learn, doesn't matter how many things you try, they have to have some responsibility for it. And that was a lot of my story was I took the classes for many years, but I really did not enjoy it. Spanish was my worst class. And so I really didn't see the benefit of it. I only did it because I was forced to. And that's a lot of our students. So how can we help them to see the benefit of what's going to happen as they learn English, as they keep up their native language, as they become bilingual, trilingual, the opportunities that lie ahead of them because of that? and help them to really take engagement and responsibility over their learning. So that's number two, make it fun as often as possible. So here are some other tips of how to help them to move forward. Number three, this has been a helpful tip for me as I live, like I said, in the day-to-day of living in a Spanish-speaking country. If I know I need to say something to somebody, like before I go to the doctor's office or if I'm going to a specific, you know, if I have to go to the mechanic, some of the, that vocabulary, I don't know that well. I translate it first and write it out, or I keep it on my phone before I go to that place, before I say it. So this is a really helpful way because now language learning, it happens in context. So now I know if I'm going to the doctor or I'm going like just last week, I went to the dentist 
and he only spoke Spanish. The secretary only speaks Spanish. So I wrote out some things that I knew I wanted to say and how to say it in the right verb tense so that it made sense. I translated it before I went in. I practiced it so that then when I went in, I was able to clearly say it and I was easily able to say it. And that was helpful because now I'm using that phrase or that sentence in context. And what's happening is now my brain is understanding that better. That if I just in the classroom was learning how to say this phrase in Spanish. So having your students think ahead to situations, translate it, write it out, even if you have them write it on a note card, that's going to help them understand and retain that phrase or that sentence or that verb much better than if you're learning it out of context. This week, look at different situations you have. Maybe you want to really help your newcomers speak up for themselves in the homeroom classroom or speak up during PE class or be able to say, I need help with this. Have them write those phrases out, role play them so that when they go in, that phrase is at the top of their mind and they're able to say it. In all honesty, I have seen people who had no background in Spanish be able to progress at a much faster speed than I did because I was conjugating all the verbs that I had in my head, all the different ways to conjugate them, where they had learned phrases and what do you say when you don't know something or you don't, or what do you say if you're lost on the street and you're asking for help? They had learned simple phrases to use in context and they were moving faster learning Spanish than I was because I was trying to form the sentence out of all the different pieces that I had learned. This is an excellent way to help boost their English skills is by having them think about what they're going to say in a situation, translate it, write it out, and practice it before they get into that situation. Now, when that situation comes, like I said, it's at the top of mind, and they're going to apply it in context, so they're going to retain it. All right, number four, you want to help create a classroom where your students feel very comfortable saying, I don't understand. We want our students, especially our ELL students, to be able to confidently and comfortably say, I don't understand. I don't understand what this word means. I don't understand what the directions are. I don't understand what we should be bringing to school tomorrow because it is a field trip. Oftentimes what I would see with even my own students in my own classroom is I'd say, do you understand? I would ask them that question and what's going to happen. Most times they're going to say yes. The same exact thing happens to me here. If I'm at the store and I ask them, do you have this? And they might say something quickly and I didn't understand. Well, guess what? I very, very seldomly will say, ah, no entiendo, puedes repetir. I don't understand. Can you repeat it? Very seldomly do I say that because nobody wants to admit that they don't understand. So instead I walk away, spend a couple more minutes trying to find what I'm looking for. And maybe I go and ask somebody else to see if they say it slower or maybe they point me in the right direction. So we really don't want our students to do that because if you ask, do you understand? Most of the time they're going to say yes, even if they don't understand. So how can we create an environment where they feel really comfortable to say, I don't understand? First, I wouldn't ask your students, do you understand? I would ask an open-ended question that helps you to see if they understand. That's going to help you know, okay, I need to maybe add visuals to this note that I'm sending home about the field trip of what they need to bring. Or 
Maybe I need to pull up a picture that shows what a field trip is. Or maybe I need to, you know, tell them what this word means that they didn't understand. When you start to show that initiative, when you start to show that it's completely okay and it's wanted, that it's it's actually a great thing to be able to identify and say, I don't understand that word, or I I miss the meaning of what we just read. If they can start to do that, they are going to advance much faster than a kid who just always says that he understands and he really has no idea. Because the thing with language learning is if you get off a little bit, let's say you're listening to a book or a passage and and they misunderstand even just one word or one sentence of what they're listening to, that can change their comprehension completely. That can set them off on a completely different path than what the whole purpose is of that passage or that book or that lesson. If you're creating an environment in your classroom where it's not just accepted to say, I don't understand, but it's actually an incredible gift when people say, I don't understand. Can you explain this further? That that's something that's so welcome in your classroom. Your students are going to progress. They're going to move forward because they're, they're taking and really thinking about what they're hearing and looking for areas that they might be misunderstanding and they're getting clarification before they just misunderstand. And now that's taking root in their brain and that's what they're retaining. And really now they're having something that's wrong being put into their brain and their memory. Really set up that environment where you're showing and you're modeling how you ask when you don't understand and you want them to do the same thing. And then the last way you can help your ELMs continue to move forward is that you are creating an environment where they are open to feedback and correction. This again comes from my own life experience. Like I said, if if I'm saying something wrong and nobody corrects me because they're like, oh, well, she's at least saying the verb and I, I understand what she's saying. So they don't take the time to correct me. Now I'm going to keep saying that wrong until someone says, you know what? Actually, this is the way that you should say that. And most people don't correct me. So a lot of times what I've had to learn is I need to tell people, is this correct? Am I saying this correct? Or if I'm talking to you in Spanish, can you correct me if I'm saying something wrong? Setting that out from the forefront is a great way to help understand and to use the words correctly, because I don't want to keep using a verb incorrect. So it's really a great thing to have somebody be able to say, oh, you know what? This is actually how you use it. This takes a lot for a student to be able to be open to that feedback and correction. And it's not when they're first learning English. You want to give them that time and space where you're not saying, oh, it's this. You should say it this way. No, that's wrong. Okay. We don't want to do that. But we want to be able to be open to continuing to improve, continuing to learn. Learning a language is it takes so much time, so much work. So we we need to have grace for that. But we want to just maybe point out, oh, you, you said it this way, but really you would want to say it this way. And creating the environment where they're appreciative of that and they're thankful. So again, it, it goes back to number one, which is creating that safe space. Because when you start there, then the students are going to feel comfortable saying that they don't understand. They're going to feel comfortable when you give them feedback and correction. But those things really are critical to their advancing. 
If we always just let them say a verb incorrectly, then that begins to really take root in their brain. That's going to take a lot of work to undo that verb that they've been saying incorrectly for a long time. You have to know what that looks like in each of your classrooms, in the relationships that you have with your students. You know the students that feedback and correction is helpful to them. I had a lady here who she was learning English here in Panama and she was from Peru. So she knew Spanish. She also had learned Farsi, German. I mean, this lady was incredible of all the languages that she's, she learned, but she said, can I come and sit and have coffee with you? And what she did was she brought a little notebook. And as we were talking, she was writing down things and she was asking, is this okay? Let's see. You said this verb, you said this sentence, is this how I would say it this way? And would and she was taking notes on our entire conversation. And it was so powerful to see how she was applying what she was learning. And this is why she was able to learn three, four languages, because she was very in tune to the conversation that we were having and very open to correction. And so maybe even having something like that where you say, hey, let's have a coffee date. Let's have, you know, a lunch date where we come and we sit and we talk. And we're going to all be open to correcting each other. And and this is where as a teacher, if you're trying to learn their language, start with you and say, okay, I'm trying to work on my Spanish. Is this how I would say this? And they might laugh and they might say, no, you'd say it this way. Okay, well, you try now and, and I'm going to help you, you know, on one part of your sentence if you, if you need it. And so just building that environment where it's really mutual, you're putting yourself out there, they get to correct you. They're going to then be very open to you correcting them. So just to recap, we want to really help our long-term ELLs continue to progress and move forward. We don't want them to get stuck in a stagnant place. So here are five ways that you can help your students continue to progress. Number one is to create a safe space. Number two is to make it fun. Number three is to have them translate whatever they want to say beforehand, write it out and practice it. Number four is that they feel comfortable in your classroom to say, I don't understand. And number five is that they feel comfortable and open to feedback and correction. If you start to implement any of these in your classroom, I promise you're going to see your students progress as they learn language in context. It's going to happen. Thank you for joining me today on another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Remember, go and leave a review and you might be the next winner of a month free inside the Equipping ELLs membership. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.